In this episode, I had the great pleasure of speaking with James from Tabletop News. We sat down to talk about Dungeons & Dragons throughout the editions and our experiences as Dungeon Masters. In addition, we had an interesting conversation about where the current hobby is in 2023. Lastly, I had a great joy speaking about Tabletop News and their Kickstarter and what their mission really is. So stay tuned for the rest of the episode. And if you feel inclined to support Tabletop News, go check out their Kickstarter link below. With all that being said, let's get to this episode. Jim, it is great to have you this evening. How are you, my friend? Uh, I'm doing great. It's good to be here. I really appreciate the invite onto your podcast. Uh, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I haven't rolled any natural ones today. Perfect. Love it. Love to hear it. <laughs> so, Jim, you know, we were talking a little bit um, before the recording about kind of tabletop news. and But specifically, mm -hmm. we also talked about, or rather, we also talked about um, being the forever GM. So, Yes. Forever GM has to, you know, has to have some sort of connotation that you've been playing some sort of tabletop game for a while now. Do you mind explaining when you started playing tabletop games and how you got into them? Yeah, no, I, uh, this is this is a great story for me to tell. Uh, I actually have been playing Dungeons and Dragons or other tabletop role-playing games for a very, very long time. Uh, since I was a wee lad, uh, I'm 37 now. Uh, and I was, I, I couldn't even begin to, to tell you how old I was when I first started. Cause I know I was really young cause I got it from my dad. My dad, uh, he grew up with Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, and so he was a long time player before I was even born. Uh, oh, that's awesome. I learned, I learned about the game by watching him cause he would have his friends over. He was the GM and his group, uh, his friends would all come over and I would just sit there and watch them play in awe of all the things they were doing and the dice and the, the miniatures moving around on the map. So I got super into it at a very young age. I stole all of his books and I would sit there and create characters for myself. And of course I would cheat so that I had perfect stats, uh, magically for every character I created. Of course, of course. Um, uh, and then I, I actually first got to play uh, when my dad got me a beginner box for Advanced Dungeons oh, nice. and Dragons uh, right after I had a surgery. I had really bad ears as a kid, had a lot mm -hmm. of surgeries on them, nothing major, just little stuff. But uh, uh, one of the, after one of my surgeries, they they got me a present. They got me this this Advanced Dungeons and Dragons beginner set. That's and awesome. he, uh, while I was recovering, he ran the scenario and from the beginner box in uh for me and, and a couple of my friends and my sister uh so that was the first time i ever actually got to play and i was hooked immediately and i've been playing ever since like it's just you know uh, i don't really play dungeons and dragons as much anymore I, sure. I i'm i'm pathfinder guy uh don't worry i don't i have nothing against dungeons and dragons i just happen to play pathfinder uh but uh yeah it's uh i've been hooked on it ever since <laughs> we've been having a lot of pathfinder guests on the show lately yeah. um one of the big reasons why is the mechanics of pathfinder second edition mm -hmm. specifically are really intuitive to what the player wants and yeah. the mechanics and the way things are built in Pathfinder 2nd Edition are more suitable for the Game Master, we've noticed. Mm -hmm. My question is, you, you mentioned that you were hooked. What about Dungeons & Dragons hooked you? For me, it was about, uh, as a player, because I, I, I got to start as a player. I'm a forever GM now, but I got to start as a player. And for me, the idea of actually embodying a a heroic character who had I, I always liked playing casters to begin with so i was i was like right out the gate my first time ever playing i play a wizard and uh uh you know it to me it was like it was just the idea of of having those powers of having that ability to go out and you know fight monsters and get treasure and and do all these adventures like i don't know it was just it was very compelling to me from a young age um 
as I grew up and as my interest in the the hobby matured uh, and I switched over to the GM side of things, it became more about creating those stories and letting other people embody heroes in a world that I had created and uh, uh, really collaborative storytelling became the name of the game for me. Like I was really, it was just so much fun to sit there and create a story. My players would say, I would say X, Y, and Z happens. My players come back with stuff I'd never expected and I I get to react to that. I get to say, okay, you did this, so I do. So now this happens, and let's let's explore this road now that you've opened up. It was it was just fun. Like I, I just I really liked the emergent feel of it. You know, mm. I, I I would do some prep, and I had an idea of where we would start. But mm-hmm. by the end of the night, we would be in a place that I I hadn't expected. It was fun. It was a new experience. Yeah, like you just said, it was a fun new experience that mm-hmm. wasn't planned, and yeah. there's a bit of mysticism behind that in my opinion not to pontificate but there's a bit of mysticism with it right there is Mm -hmm. this nature that going to this mysterious place that we have not planned as a group but we're pursuing it together and it's really fun and it's in a safe environment so okay so you're playing dungeons and dragons you're kind of going from player to game master Mm -hmm. did you game master throughout the editions or did you kind of pause go to another tabletop you know system and then go back to D? how what was that journey like sure yeah so so growing up as i mentioned my dad was was the gm sure. uh for his group and then when i started playing and i was more involved in his games like he he was the forever gm when we were uh, uh right now so the og sorry Right now, I'm in Los Angeles, but I grew up in Ohio. So being oh, in Ohio, like, uh, I was in Medina, Ohio. Oh, which yeah. is yeah, yeah, sort of I'm, near Cleveland-ish. No, yeah. I know my um one of my good friends lives in Parma. Oh, okay, yeah, great. Yeah, cool. and he he actually works in Medina. So. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Small world. Well, yeah, small world. <laughs> the, see That's the power right. of homebrew. What? <laughs> just kidding. I'm just saying that the GM of the universe is out there make you know making the uh-huh. uh, connections and roadmaps and everything quite yeah, interesting all, yeah <laughs> but i'm sorry so you're so you're in la right now and you were so playing in, right in medina yes so uh the transition to me becoming the gm for my groups was after i left ohio uh okay I, I, so after college uh me and my business partner uh adam rady we drove west to LA and at that point I wanted to keep playing Dungeons and Dragons but my dad was back in Ohio so sure. since I was the one who knew the most about the game I had the longest history with it it kind of naturally fell to me to run games if they were going to happen out here For sure. um, and at that point we were, it was also right at the, the switch between advanced Dungeons and Dragons and third edition okay so I actually I actually picked up and started really running with 3.5 Okay. Um, yeah. So that was that was the transitional period there. Did you when you well two things I want to mention. So number one, when you went out to LA, what was the tabletop scene like at the time? Uh, honestly, I have no idea what the tabletop scene was like because I okay. was a fresh faced kid <clears throat> from Ohio hanging out and uh the the tabletop scene that i created in our apartment was just hey i it we're we're all broke we can't we can't go out uh and party and go to the movies or do anything because we all you all want to play a game with your imaginations (laughs) and so i sort of my friends were like yeah sure we're we're big nerds too let's let's get into this some of them uh had various at least had heard of dungeons and dragons it was a completely foreign concept uh but it was just me and my friends sitting around i kind of introduced the game to a lot of them uh adam who i mentioned uh had Mm -hmm. come out with me he had a history with the game because he um played in some of the games back in ohio with me and my dad and, and our friends so so he had he kind of knew what was going on but some of my other friends it was just like we we introduced them to the game and and we kind of created our own little scene uh but in terms of the wider scope of things like i i don't know what was going on out there i was i was a nerd in my apartment playing games (laughs) so what it seems like is that you kind of you brought the game with you no matter what it wasn't necessarily Mm -hmm. like hey i'm gonna come out here and i'm going to try to find 
a community. We actually had a guest earlier that kind of had a similar, uh, an opposite story where they took D&D with them and then found, they were like, hey, we're going to try to find a community here. Obviously, this was in the East Coast and there yeah. was a bit of a community there. Um, so it's really funny dynamic how kind of almost like dis- the disciples of TTRPGs going out to spread the word of, yeah. of D&D. Uh, the second thing, though, I wanted to mention was 3.5. From 3.5, mm-hmm. mechanically or even roleplay-wise, I, I like to kind of focus on the mechanics because roleplay can traverse through editions. Yeah. Did you go to 3.5 and then Pathfinder 1st edition and then 5e and then Pathfinder 2nd edition? How did you end up getting to Pathfinder 2nd edition? Yeah, uh, well, we started with 3.5 and we ran, I ran through like a whole campaign uh, Mm -hmm. that it it was, it's probably about two years long and it it took us through like 10th level. Okay. Um, And and it completed the story arc that I wanted to complete. And then after that, after that, we didn't play for a while. Okay. And then when we picked it back up, um, I picked up fourth, or sorry, I picked up pathfinder at that point because fourth edition didn't interest me that much and that was sort of yeah. the new thing that was you know in in the space yeah. that everybody was getting to i was like hey, it doesn't interest me that much but pathfinder first edition is you know obviously the people the people from dungeons and dragons who didn't like the direction fourth uh, fourth edition was going yep. they split off they make pathfinder i said oh well if they're still doing the stuff that i liked from three five like let's just let's check it out let's get this this pathfinder game going absolutely um and it just it just kind of made sense because i was already so familiar with so many of the concepts yep. it was such an easy jump that it was like oh okay and then i sort of stuck with it through everything i mean i i've played some fifth edition but i have not run fifth edition and i don't have the materials for fifth edition uh anytime that i've played 5e it's really just been like uh as a one shot uh in somebody else's game or as a guest appearance or as as part of an actual play um so but I, i've been with pathfinder ever since that's so awesome three, three five to pathfinder 1e and now a second edition okay and which makes sense logically because yeah. people often said that pathfinder first edition was like 3.75 yeah and then yeah from there pathfinder second edition elevated a lot of the things that were deemed quote crunchy for mm-hmm. a lot of players and gms what i really like about pathfinder second edition is that as a gm and really let me be honest the forever gm as well <laughs> we're kind of in that same yeah. club the guild of, of forever gms where we want to streamline things and if you've been running a little bit of fifth edition or ran a little bit or even played in it you probably noticed that sometimes the action economy was a little bit off Mm. to name a few things i love fifth edition because it introduced a lot of people to the ttrpg space it was Mm. a really great way to say hey let's come up with characters well because that's really the first and foremost ways most people want to get into a game hey i want to play this character i want to play someone from the witcher series right whoever maybe you have a an obscure favorite character or i want to play a jedi oh guess what there's star wars fifth edition so it brought a lot of people into the hobby yeah now as a game master i would always i always like to pick the brains of fellow game masters when you are transitioning from edition or system to system how do you mechanic well not mechanically excuse me how do you story wise continue that saga if you are homebrewing and mm-hmm. let's say you finish one campaign in your homebrew world and move on to the next campaign in said homebrew world what are some of the tips that you use to kind of transition so that your players understand there's a bit of fluidity with the story if there is even fluidity with your story yeah uh, you know, the thing about it is that I actually usually like to keep my campaigns relatively separate. Okay. Um, could you explain a little further? I guess in the sense that like, okay, so, so we played, uh, our, our three, five game I had mentioned earlier that ran through 10th level it was a complete story arc. And I feel like, you know, it was, it was a homebrewed world. We weren't playing in, in like forgotten realms or anything. Sure. Uh, but then we moved on, uh, and we started playing a new game 
it wasn't to me, it wasn't the idea that it was like, actually, and I, and I actually did incorporate the idea that the events of the previous campaign are part of that world's history. Mm -hmm. But in the same way that any historical event might be uh, uh, impacting us today, where it's like, yeah, there's people that have heard of the great hero from the previous campaign, mm, or, okay. you know, maybe their descendants are around or all those things are like, it's something that you would hear about, you know, this great battle that took place. But we're dealing with a problem in the here and now. Correct. And those things that happened before, while they're part of the world, they're part of the flavor of what we're doing now. What matters is the choices that the heroes of today are making today. You know, that's the way I like to to run. And that's 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 sort of a general philosophy I like to run for for my players in general. I think and there's nothing I have nothing against players who get really invested in things like backstory for their characters. Mm -hmm. But in general, I like to think like, don't tell me about all the adventures your character had before this campaign started. Because mm, yeah. if we're starting at level one, like this is where your heroic journey starts. You might've done a few things, but like what I'm interested in is what you do from this moment on, because this is the campaign. These are your heroic yeah. moments. You know, I think a lot of people will, will create these whole sagas for their characters before session one has even started. And it's like, well, that, that's interesting. And these are great stories, but I, I don't know how much I can do with this because I want, I want us to create a new story today that we move forward with together, you know? It's almost like they create this depth mm -hmm. that isn't logical because how can your character at level one have this rich history unless, let's say, they take the noble background, right? Mm -hmm. And you say, okay, I am the son or daughter or whatever, the child of this lord or lady that is the child of this lord or lady, and then it trickles down. Maybe you can do something like that where the character is steeped in their own family history, but they're yeah. completely oblivious to the world. Now, that's something you can play with. Yeah, It's actually yeah. why I created these well, – actually – it's not just me, but uh, uh, here at the Bearded Nerd, we created these character prompts to really, and actually, I'll send I'll send it to you because um, yeah. I'd really love to get your opinion on it. We created these prompts so that it had questions that you, as a character, would ask yourself. You would say, "Okay, what what's my family background? What is my?" religion if i have a religion why don't i have a religion mm -hmm. those are light enough questions that you can answer yeah. pretty quickly right you can write down a couple of sentences but mm -hmm. then that builds a great foundation so just like in math where how do you build an um, you know a, a large pyramid you have to have a large base so yeah. if you have a large foundation for your character, you're not necessarily going in depth. You're going, you're creating an amazing foundation for your game master to say, oh, this person doesn't really believe in a God. Okay. I'm going to present this really cool interaction with the God because maybe that character's background said, I don't believe in the gods because the gods never made themselves real. So you mm -hmm. can pick and kind of start building and creating plot hooks and then tying those plot hooks into the story. I, I think you and I are of the same accord where mm -hmm. oftentimes game systems don't have that. And it's okay. Yeah. You're, it's not supposed to. It's supposed to have the rules to play whatever game you want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and yeah. And I Oh no, go for, it, say, go for I it. think I think what you're what you're hooking on to too is that you're interested in getting like the flavor of the characters and Absolutely. what are their traits, what are their beliefs, how are they going to interact with the world rather than the story of how they interacted with the world in the past. Correct. It's more about like who is this person that we're starting off with, you know. And I think mm. those are really key things that I like to see as a GM too, is like, you know, tell me, tell me who this person is and why they might make some of the choices that they're gonna make. Um, and, and I think that's where you get, get some, some good flavor at the table. Uh, I, I mostly, a lot of times when people are making a new character, uh, in a game that I'm going to run, I'll tell them like, try to try, actually try to limit yourself to like one page of information oh. about your character. Because I think that when you do put those limitations on too, the other thing that that does is allow you to fill in gaps as the game progresses, which is an important part, I think, of building a character is having True. gaps where we we you don't even know the answer 
until we get into it in the game. You might you might discover that answer in the game, and that's very exciting to me, that possibility. So I think this would actually help our audience members out a little bit. Can we do a little bit of, a, of an exercise where if I'm a new player and you're the mm -hmm. GM, how would you walk me through creating a character and what type of questions would you ask in a session zero? I think this would really benefit those GMs out there who are new. So let's say I come to you and I say, hey, I want to play this game with you and I want to play, you know, kind of like that Holy Knight Paladin type. What do you need from me? What would yeah. you say to that? I think one of the the important questions that I always go to, um, and I think I think it raises a lot of players' suspicions just because of the way that GMs often get characterized as as wanting to get one over on their players. But I'm I ask a little this nervous because this. <laughs> I think it I think it's an important thing if you trust your GM, which is True. who's an important person in your character's life. Ooh, not I because like that. I want to like come through and kidnap your sister or whatever. Like it's yeah. not, it's not about, but it's about who's, what's a bond you have with another care, with another, mm. with another person. And I think that's really important because if, if your character doesn't have bonds with yes. other people in the world, then you're probably coming into this world and you're not treating it as if you're a part of it. And I think a lot of the times when stories break down and when there's sometimes some conflict between what a GM might want to try to convey in a story and what and and you have that sort of um, uh, the stereotype of like the goofy sort of murderous player who doesn't really invest in anything. And it's like, yeah. well, does does that character have any bonds in the world? Yeah. Like like if you're if you're treating everybody like a disposable ragdoll that you can murder or steal from, it's probably because your character isn't isn't treat you're not treating your character as if they're a part of the world so i want to know right off the bat what bonds do you have who's important to mm. you in this world because it gets you thinking about like these these npcs as people who could be important to you and not just about xp or gold or treasure or anything else just the importance of connection so off the bat i really love that because even the the formidable yet gloomy edgelord rogue that we all yeah. joke about mm -hmm. could perhaps even have that background of we are this type of i don't want to say depressed because that that would be that'd be wrong it'd be it, i think it'd be better described as we are the edgelord right the quote-unquote mm -hmm. kind of the chip on the shoulder and these are the people that i let's say let me let me use this as an example Let's say I'm coming to you as that rogue. Well, mm -hmm. the people that I loved were my, you know, wife and children, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I came to see that they were, I don't know, something horrible happened to them. Let's just say mm -hmm. it like that. Yeah. And then the character, this rogue, not only go, not necessarily goes insane, but starts to see that the world is cruel. And then maybe that's why they pursued a a law, not or, or not a life of crime, but this kind of taking the law into their hands, this vigilante. Yeah. I, I immediately think of the show Arrow. Um, a lot of people give it smack, but there was um, there there was uh, one of the characters who, and for those who may or may not have seen the show, it's been out for a while, so. Yeah. If you get a spoiler, whatever. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> um, but Mr. Merlin, I will call him that. He was kind of the, he always played the antithesis of, of Oliver Queen at some point, but he was a multi-billionaire. His wife, unfortunately, you know, they kind of, she failed her death saving throws, unfortunately. Yeah. Let's just say it like that. And he goes on a journey to be basically become an assassin. And his goal is to, very much like Batman Begins, a la Christopher Nolan, to eradicate the the bad. That yeah. was, and again, very much like Ra's al Ghul, like they took that yeah. whole thing. So with that being said, that would give me enough information if I was the game master. And I think kind of to what you're alluding to, that's enough information to say you had bonds. Maybe this, maybe a child that survived or maybe yeah. a sibling but your immediate family were, you know, something happened to them catastrophically. And yeah. 
those bond you did have bonds, but that's why you chose this life. And then maybe that character has a little tradition where every night they sing the bedtime story or the bedtime song that they sang to their children as almost like a reminder or kind of like a, I don't know if you saw the Game of Thrones series, but uh, when Arya Stark would remind herself. Would yeah, the list. list. Yep. Yeah. That's a perfect way too. I think that's, mm-hmm. I think, I think that's at least acceptable. I don't know what you yeah. think. Yeah. And, you know, and for me too, when I talk about bonds, you know, cause we, you, going back to the, the idea of the, the edgelord rogue and like, okay, you want to say that you're an orphan and, or you don't have any family. Well, nobody, nobody can exist in a world as an Island. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, you, your family's all dead. I buy it. They burned up in a fire or they were murdered by the evil Baron. All good. All cool. So you still need somebody in your life. Is it a fence that you, is it a contact that you have who gives you uh, jobs on scores? Is it a fence that you go to, to offload your stolen goods? Uh, You know, there's somebody in you, there has to be somebody in this world that you have a connection with. Um, Yeah. Is there that info broker that you kind of share a, a, share a drink with and has become kind of like your friend that info broker knows that you've been through a rough life and acts Mm -hmm. friendly with you. Yeah. Or the tavern keep, right? That says you look a little beat up today. Mm-hmm. You know what? Have a room, have an extra night to rest free of charge. Yeah. But that and I I I you hit the nail on the head. There always has to be a human connection, right? Or yeah. a humanoid yeah. co- connection for lack yeah. of words. <laughs> um so that's actually really great and it leads me to another point. So let's say sure. the player has their character built or created. Mhm. They have everything ready. How do you, do you run session zeros during this time um, as they're building characters or do you just have folks jump into uh, the first session of the, of the game or campaign, excuse me. Uh, I'm a big fan of the session zero, Uh, especially of late. A lot of my games that I've run are actual plays, uh, live streams and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in that you definitely you kind of have to run session zeros because it, when you when you have a cast of players, there's yeah. a very good chance that they haven't played together before or uh, aren't as close knit a group as your your home game might be. So you definitely want everybody to to have a session zero to get comfortable with each other's play styles and mm-hmm. set expectations. That's very important if you're if you are are trying to run uh, either podcast or streamed actual plays. Yep. Session zeros is like an absolute must. In fact, probably session like negative two, negative one, and zero are are very important because again, you know, uh, for a game that's going to go out to an audience, there are a lot of expectations that yep. you need to set up front. Uh, so that when you're you're in the game uh, and you're and you're going there, there's no uh, confusion or or disruptions that can often happen between friends that, you know, friends can just we, we can just kind of gloss over things sometimes, you know. Sure. And sure. I think the level of friendship, you mentioned something with friendship where with when you are kind of deep seated, when you have that deep seated friendship, that history together, mm-hmm. you often or folks often forget that things like you said will be glossed over certain mm-hmm. little gaps in the storytelling or in the yeah. lore are kind of looked over because you have that sense of friendship now you mentioned a couple mm-hmm. of stream games so i have to ask because i i love the games that i've streamed um I've streamed with um well several i i did a couple of things with gary khan but something that really was close to my heart was with the initiative order and mm-hmm. they are a great channel folks should really check them out they have a really solid base of games and we did a star wars fifth edition mm-hmm. so we did several session zeros because i wanted folks to know that this was going to be the the end question was essentially this where were you when order 66 occurred yeah Right. Think of it like I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So for mm-hmm. me, I kind of thought of the the voiceover that they used during the Clone Wars animated series, where it was that very transatlantic mm-hmm. kind of World War II propaganda voice. Yeah. And I kind of thought of that when I was writing, you know, where were you when um, 
order 66 occurred. So then we built around it and we built, it was actually great. We, we made this, uh, in intelligence agency called grid, the galactic Republic intelligence department or something like that. Um, and it was it was fantastic, but I mention all that because it takes several session zero, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Now, for you, what is that sweet spot in session zeros specifically with streamed games? Do you have a set number like okay, this session zero is going to be used for explaining the world and then you, you know asking questions, and that way the second session zero now you have information about the characters and the races you or species, depending on how you want to look at it. Now you have that information. And then, okay, the third session zero is now, you know, who you are. This is how you all connected with one another. Here you go. How, how, mm-hmm. what's that structure look like for you? Yeah. Uh, in, in practical use, uh, just because scheduling, scheduling uh, a bunch of people to get together for for the ultimate on top of the streams can be you know everybody everybody knows that challenge we don't need to go over that too much uh (laughs) so how it actually ends up working out is we usually will have two sessions uh with a new group going into either even just a one shot or an extended uh, uh show sure um the first one is very mechanical based it'll be creating the character um introducing those characters to one another, getting a feel for for the group dynamics mm-hmm. first off, um, and and just making sure everybody understands the the basic mechanics of the system. Because since I am running Pathfinder for most of the time, a lot of people are coming in from fifth edition, and sure. there are differences. We just we go over it. We make sure everybody understands the nuances and like you know. Uh, uh, is comfortable with the idea of Pathfinder before we we head into the next session, which is an actual uh, game. We'll actually yep. play through uh, usually just a combat, a, a social scenario and a combat. A social scenario so people get, again, more flavor for the character, more playing with the role play and the, and the character dynamics so they feel a little bit more comfortable with it. And then a combat to actually work through that crunch, find the pain points with not only the system, but like, you're, you do you know how all of your characters' abilities works. Let's actually try them out on the table so that you get can actually see the numbers unfold and, and understand how the ability works. Uh, and then after that, we move on to actual game day. So we usually do two, two okay. sessions uh, prior to an actual play. Okay. So the way I think, the way I'm ex- understanding this explanation is that you essentially streamline this effort where you go mechanically and then you kind of you kind of use that as your platform to jump into the story yes absolutely yeah and that makes a lot of sense because for folks out there who may let's say they're new to fifth edition or or p2e or or i guess pfe whichever however you want to say it but you're new to the system you're new to the mechanics and then it's really hard once you i feel like once you get over that you know, kind of bump, you're mm-hmm. able to go into the story because again, stories can essentially traverse wherever you can. Yeah. I mean, I know this sounds a little bit cliche and this almost sounds a little snobby on my end. So I really apologize. Um, I feel though that you can play a TTRPG with just a quarter. You could, it's because it's about storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. The quarter is just the thing that determines what you do next. Same thing mm-hmm. with the dice. Um, but again, I know, I know, I might have made people punch the air right now and get a little bit upset. But well, you, I, well, yeah. I mean, look, um, Pathfinder and Dungeons and Dragons both are very mechanically dense systems that do what they do very well. Yes, but I'm just gonna say it: there are a lot of systems that are actually better for strictly storytelling purposes because they are lighter on rules i think the mechanics can bog down storytelling a lot of the times and truthfully yeah you can you can take if you can tell a story in any system the the system is just uh i think the system is important i'm not gonna say it's not important but i'm just saying like yeah you know if storytelling is your primary thing Mm -hmm. uh dungeons dragons and pathfinder are probably not your best systems from a strictly storytelling standpoint what do you think would be the best system for that? 
Ah, interesting. I haven't actually gotten to play around with too many alternative systems, but okay. there are a couple that I really enjoy and I think are much better for a storytelling aspect. In fact, even though I have run plenty of Pathfinder actual plays, and that's mm -hmm. if I run another actual play, it'll probably be Pathfinder again. Uh, I think that Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder are not the best systems to use for an actual play because you want story heavy yes. and those crunchy mechanics can bog that down they just can't it just happens you get Why a combat be... that takes an hour it just does <laughs> yeah and that's i think we were talking about that with the action economy earlier yeah. where it gets bogged down often yeah. and i would love to pick your brain on this why do you think then games of DD and of pathfinder are popular then in the kind of actual play where that's that's very narrative based then what about it? Well, is uh, I'll answer that, but let me actually go back because I, I didn't actually answer which systems I liked for stories. Okay. So I'll tell you yeah, those first. For sure. Uh, and I will tell you that the systems that I have been actually listening to on other podcasts and actual plays and really fallen in love with are Kids on Bikes and mm -hmm. Blades in the Dark, two mechanics light systems that the mechanics feed into storytelling in such a brilliant way that I I, I love them. Uh, I actually picked up Blades in the Dark, uh, an evil hat game, um, and it, it, it's fantastic. And uh, I've been reading through the book, and I have to actually convince some people to play it with me so that I can run it for them. But uh, uh, Blades in the Dark is a fantastic game. Uh, and then Kids on Bikes is one that the channel that I run games on is called the Dragons and Things Network. And another GM has run a lot of Kids on Bikes. Um, and it's a very uh, it's a very rules light system. It's all about narrative. And uh, most of the mechanics are about like gaining control of the narrative so that you can. And then when you fail something, you lose control of the narrative and somebody else takes over like it's. It's very good for telling a story without getting bogged down in numbers and bonuses and, you know, this this 10-minute turn to explain all the things you can do. Okay. So those are the games that I actually like for storytelling. Now, going back to what was your, what was your last question, which was... I so why do you think that D&D &D, 5th yeah. Edition and Pathfinder are played mostly yeah. or are, are chosen to be... Sure. I guess. Yeah. Why do you think so? Sure. Well, I'll, I'll start with Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, it's flat out name rec recognition. Uh, okay. I mean, if you go out to any random person on the street and they even have an idea of what you're talking about when you say tabletop role playing game, mm -hmm. Dungeons and Dragons will be the, the only like touchstone that they have on that. You're, you're just average, like random, not nerd person. Like Dungeons and Dragons, oh yeah, that, that's a game. It's so, a household name now. Yeah, it's a household name. Uh, it's it's gotten a lot of pop culture. Uh, you know, Stranger Things, I think, was, was huge for Absolutely. Dungeons and Dragons in the last two years. People just recognize what Dungeons and Dragons is. Pathfinder being that close, like, second cousin, I think gives it just enough of a boost that, again, it's, it's, it's widespread enough that you can play it uh, and still get recognition. But if you take a look at the numbers, like raw numbers between people mm -hmm. who are playing uh, on a stream, Dungeons and Dragons versus Pathfinder, I mean, it's, 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 uh, you are, you are taking a viewer hit when you don't play Dungeons and Dragons flat out. If you are sure. not playing Dungeons and Dragons, you are, you are not easily going to get an audience as quickly as you could simply by changing the system to 5e gotcha um, it's it's name recognition it's popularity and that's fine like that's I, I, i'm not saying that with any kind of like judgment behind that uh, sure. and i think and i think uh part of that uh following in with that that name recognition thing was critical role critical yes. role uh they actually initially started with pathfinder which people yeah. just kind of like they, that. they, they hand that. wave that they switch over to dnd 5e and that's that's the standard. That's the standard for actual plays. So that's what people do. And I think, you know, you mentioned the standard. I don't like the fact that people, you know, say, well, it's the Matt Mercer effect, the Matt Mercer mm. effect. Obviously, I've never met them. I've never mm. met him. And yeah. he seems like such an amazing man. Oh, yeah, he's great. Person. And I I hate the, the Matt Mercer effect because, one, it's not. I guess it's just disrespectful towards him as an individual because 
that effect is not something he intentionally proposed. Yeah. He yeah. did not put out that effect, right? It's not like he's a paladin with the auras <laughs> that just yeah. naturally come out. It is, yeah. I think what it is, is like you said, people have a standard. They yeah. see great DMs, which I also challenge people. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say it again, because this is so important. I challenge players. If you, if you want to say something about how your GM is not like Matt Mercer, are you like the awesome players on Critical Role or Dimension 20 or any of these great shows, Right. Are you like them that are respectful? You know, these players are sharing the light. They're sharing the stage. And not only sharing, I would even go to say they're elevating each other. Like yeah. kind of like rock climbing where you climb a little bit, but then you reach out your hand and they're swinging mm -hmm. the other person on, you know, above them. Yeah. That's yeah, what these sure. great people are doing. So I don't know. I, I, I had to kind of say that because it's always good to reiterate. It's not especially with the popularity, like you said, I didn't yeah. know from a numbers perspective, I assumed, but I'm the type of guy that I kind of need to see the numbers tangibly, but mm -hmm. I, can, I don't, I'm not surprised that D and D kind of surpasses the pathfinder viewership. But like you said, critical role, I would even add dimension 20 um, mm -hmm. acquisitions incorporated yeah. that started. Let's be honest. If we're going to go that far back, that's what started live plays with fourth edition. Yeah, it, And I remember it was Chris Perkins. I remember the first episode. It was not even a video. It was just audio. And it was Chris Perkins saying, hey, we're going to play this, you know, fourth edition. Yeah. And he's walking through with everyone from Penny Arcade. And I, I remember Bronze Bottom, uh, Binwin Bronze, Bronze Bottom. <laughs> he was my favorite character because, it was again, it was such a comedic act. They, they had such a great chemistry together. Mm -hmm. But... We forget about that too, that, hey, Acquisitions Incorporated was a big thing and yeah. it, it was big in packs. Everyone looked forward to Acquisitions Incorporated at packs. I don't yeah. care who you, everyone was just waiting for that. I mean, mm -hmm. when I got back into D&D, because I took a bit of a break um, pursuing my MBA and, and kind of doing some of my career um, boosting activity, my downtime mm -hmm. activities, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> um, I got back into it and I remember listening to, ta uh, to acquisitions incorporated and it was, yeah. fun. it was hilarious. It was like yeah. watching some of the old, you know, Don Rickles, Mel Brooks, kind of, you know, that kind of slapstick, but really witty comedy or even like shows like Frasier. I, I'm, I'm probably dating myself with the type of TV shows that we used to watch or like the everybody loves Raymond again, mm -hmm. quick wit. That's what yeah. acquisitions incorporated was. Yeah. And then it moved to this kind of serious drama. I don't know if you kind of noticed that as well, that how things shifted, but anyway, I know it's a bit of a tangent, but I feel like sometimes it's necessary to let folks know that it's not all on your dungeon master or your game master. Yeah. You gotta, you know, it's a, it's a two way street. For sure. And I think what you were talking about earlier, we talk about the players elevating each other and, and I think uh, the Matt Mercer effect. And I, mm. I think what people, if anybody who is judging themselves against those types of shows also needs to remember is that everything they're doing is very intentional. They're putting on a show. They are performing. They're playing. They're, they're not just, they're not just playing a game and recording it. They are yep. intentionally working to elevate each other. They're working to share the stage. Matt Mercer puts a ton of time and effort into doing what he does. And to expect any random GM at their home game to hit those same notes is you're setting yourself up for fail. Of course, like that that's his career. You can't yep. put that kind of time into it. You can you you're supposed to like it's supposed to be a fun thing that you do. It's a game like even yep. the GM, like you're playing a game, you're having fun. This is supposed to be your downtime activity. So, yep. no, of course, like you, you cannot you cannot take a home game and compare it to these online campaigns uh, fairly. It just it they're not the same thing, you know? No, not at all. And, and you know, we we often judge the homebrew campaign mm -hmm. with the streamed campaign and that the stream campaign is or rather the homebrew campaign needs to be at the level of the stream campaign. And there's other things, There's there are metrics that are involved with it. Yeah. 
Um, but before I digress and go into metrics, because everyone wants to learn <laughs> about metrics, um, I want to know a little bit about tabletop news. What made you want to start this, especially with your business partner and with your friends or whoever, what made you want to start this? Yeah. So tabletop news, uh, first, let me start with what it is. Okay. Uh, we are going to create a short form. Uh, it's sort of a, it, it's a news show. Just it, it, we picked a name that really doesn't complicate the process too much. It's a news about the tabletop industry, not just mm -hmm. Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder and the big names there, not even just tabletop RPGs. It's also going to be about card games, uh, board games, any kind of tabletop gaming. Uh, and it is about news in the industry. Uh, that's going to be product releases. It's going to be upcoming conventions. It's going to be events in the space. Uh, we're going to highlight a lot of, of actual play creators and content creators awesome. and podcasts like this one. And uh, our our main focus is is adding an element of discoverability to a lot of okay. these things. Well, we want to share with the potential audience, here are the things happening in the tabletop space you know, because there's a lot of it. And a lot of what's already out there uh, will be either long form and go deep dive into a very specific part of the industry or a specific game or a specific type of game. Uh, and so because they're deep diving, we want to give we want to give people a place where they can just kind of, as they're scrolling through their feed, they're like, they come across a minute, two minute video, they watch mm -hmm. it real quick and then they can, they can move on. And then hopefully they've learned something in there that they can go, Oh, actually, no, I was, I heard about the, the, the bearded nerd podcast. Now he's, he's giving tips to, to new GMs. I learned about it through tabletop news. I'm going to go over and check that out and see what's going on over there. Um, or when things like the, the, the big OGL debate you know, uh, cropped yeah. up, you know, yeah. here's, here's what's happening in that, you know, here's the, here's the basic thing. We'll point you somewhere else where they're doing a deep dive on the nitty gritty of it, but here's the 30,000 foot view of the entire tabletop industry. Hopefully you'll find something in there that hits on your particular interest and steers you towards another interest that you were like, Oh, I didn't know that was, I didn't know that game was coming out or they're releasing a new edition of this game that I played a long time ago. I'm going to go check it out and see what's going on there. Um, we will also be doing interviews with developers and uh, um, uh, other names in the industry. So it's, it's, it's about getting sort of a behind the scenes peek at some of your favorite publishers and uh, creators and streamers and cosplayers and anybody else who's sort of involved in the tabletop space as a whole. That's sort of what tabletop news is and what we what we hope to accomplish with it. Now, that's amazing. Why... That, that's amazing. Yeah. I have to just say that. Just oh, well, I, oh, thank you, yes. thank you. Um, and as for the why, it's really just because because we're interested in it. That's ultimately it. We yeah. live in this space. Uh, we have connections with all of these different people. We see a lot of times uh, so many of, of these great creators are like, well, you know, I, I love what I'm doing. I'm, I'm bopping along, but it's it's really hard to grow an audience. So I, I really don't know how to get people to to come check out my stuff. I don't I don't I don't have anywhere to talk about this. I'm like, OK, well, what if we, what if we were the ones who was dispersing that news to people? Mm -hmm. Maybe there's if there's a trusted place where you could sure. go to learn what's the new show coming out. What is what is this other stream that Matt Mercer is going to be on that I didn't know about? You know, like well, there you go. You have a destination for it, um, and that's really important too because oftentimes we don't have that centralized location to yeah, know yeah. what's going on. When you mm -hmm. mentioned the OGL fiasco, uh, <laughs> I wish we had a place where we could have just said, okay, let's turn on tabletop news. To just mm -hmm. see what let's get an objective view on everything versus yeah, yeah. we had 30,000 TikTokers and YouTubers and Instagrammers talking about the same thing, mm -hmm. and it was all different perspectives. Yeah, and yeah. it's really hard to understand what's going on from those perspectives when you are just trying to ascertain, um, you're just trying to ascertain what's going on. Yeah, right? you, you yeah, don't know exactly. how it affects you. I mean, every it almost seems, and you know, I apologize to folks if I 
participated in this. I was just trying to give, I know for myself, I just tried to give concrete, okay, this is what's happening. This Mm -hmm. is my analysis of it. Again, having an MBA and being in this industry as a hobby, but also working, you know, my corporate job in in my daytime. Yeah. Giving that perspective. Um, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of folks, they were hurt by it, but I think the damage would have been less if we would have just had this, you know, you know, new site, which now I'm really thankful and I'm really behind what y'all are doing. So for mm-hmm. sure, we're going to definitely link everything down in the descriptions and whatnot. Um, and in the podcast show notes, but again, really love the concept. So mm-hmm. I know you have a Kickstarter coming up though. So that, yeah, the, if you don't mind sharing about it and talking about yeah, it. Yeah. So, so to get the show funded, we are doing a Kickstarter. We are, we are in our second week right now. Uh, the Kickstarter runs through April 13th. Yep. Uh, and we are, we're bopping along, you know, we're, we're about a third of the way through and we're, uh, we're over, we're like, I want to say last time I checked, it was 42% funded. So we're, we're, we're on track to get the show going. Yep. Um, our, our initial funding goal, uh, will allow us to make 10 episodes okay. on the show. Uh, it's designed to be weekly. So that's 10 weeks of content, uh, both in the campaign and after the campaign, We'll be also looking for sponsorship, um, cool. which will help. So, so the idea is the Kickstarter gets us the runway and yep. the recognition, so that when we seek out sponsors, we can say, "Hey, this is something the community is really passionate about. Sure. They want to see this." Uh, if you know, it, it, you put your, attach your name to it, and the community is going to love you for it. You know, that's the idea. Um, now, one sure. thing about uh, the sponsorship is that uh, sponsorship allows a brand to attach our name to the content or their name to the content, but it does not allow them to dictate the content. I know a lot For of people sure. get really anxious about like, well, if you're just doing, if, if Paizo comes in and they're going to be sponsoring tabletop news, are you just going to be a Pathfinder show? It's like, no, 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 no. Uh, they'll, their name will appear on a segment or on an episode and we will certainly, you know, thank them for, for supporting the show, but the actual content will always be dictated by us. We will write our own story. We'll research and write our own stories. Uh, and, and we have control of that content. None of our deals will ever give a company, an outside company control of our content. I, I like that. I, it, yeah. it it does bring me. I I felt in my in my soul, so to speak, that that was kind of the direction y'all are going with anyway, where it was yeah, going to be yeah. an objective news source, and of course, sponsors are there to help mm-hmm. financially, yeah. but also, and it, and again, it does them great because it's brand awareness for them. Yeah. But also, it is not, and I think companies like Paizo wouldn't even try to seek out that right. They would, yeah. or companies like Dwarven Forge. Or even you know whiz kids think things of that nature. I don't think that they would do that. I I personally you know love those brands, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm a pretty loyal person when it comes to brands. I'm very <laughs> you know and 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 because of that ish. And actually, we had Stefan from uh, Dwarven Forge on the podcast, and love the guy. He's great. He's a he's a mad genius. I love him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mentioned that, and I mentioned some of the um, excuse me, some of the um, sponsorships and and kind of that objective uh, yeah. activity to it because I know that some of your hosts that you're going to have like Becca and Michelle mm-hmm. they have ties to Critical Role and Dimension Twenty and whatnot so yeah. I you know that is really cool to have these kind of names in the industry that folks trust like myself yeah. as um, subject matter experts as yeah. hosts because not only are they going to tell the story. But they're gonna they're gonna able they're gonna be able to give their their professional opinion on it. So I really yeah, love that yeah. y'all are doing that. Yeah, I mean we're all of us involved on the production team uh, have been gaming both you know professionally on live streams and whatnot, and mm-hmm. just that in our own homes, like you know for our whole lives. You know we're, we're yeah. doing this. We, tabletop news is born of a love of tabletop games. You know, that's, yeah. that's ultimately what it is. And, uh, that's, that's, that's the why it's cause we, we like the games. We want to talk about them. We want to, we want to, we want to do it. <laughs> now is the goal to be on YouTube, Twitch, or both, or what primary, uh, yeah, so, channel will you be on? So each of our full length episodes is gonna, uh, currently, uh, they'll appear on YouTube. Uh, okay. as a full like the each one we're aiming for 12 minutes for every episode some might be like 13 14 minutes that's you know whatever that's all in the in the writing and, and delivery of the show um uh but each show is broken up into distinctive segments so we have a full-length episode 
each of those segments gets chopped up individually and distributed everywhere. TikTok, YouTube Shorts, Instagram, uh, Twitter. All the, all the social media stuff. Yep. Yeah. All that stuff. So you'll have options. Uh, our goal is that if you are interested in tabletop news and you're following us and you like us, wherever you're already scrolling, you'll come across a story. That's the idea. Um, and then if you are interested in watching the full episode as, as a complete piece, you hop over to our YouTube and it's all right there for you. Um, yeah. Now, and I'm typing this up because something that I, you know, I kind of get thoughts as we, yeah, as we go along. I'm I'm typing the I'm typing some of the stuff up, and actually, I want to mention a bit of the Kickstarter because I'm really um, I was really excited about this. It's been, let me see if I can bring it up properly, but it's been it, it's been growing exponentially, yeah. and and yeah. I love that fact. Uh, I I'm a huge you know as as crazy as it sounds like. Again, I have my MBA, so it's not necessarily surprising that I like to see the numerical aspects of it. Mm -hmm. Where I remember you mentioned it was at forty something, now it's at sixty four, you know, thousand plus. Where it's like that is legit. And again, this just goes to show, folks. Again, those who are listening, we need this. People want this, and it shows Mm -hmm. that people, and especially like investors, we want this. Like yeah, we, because yeah. we, we need this. Let's be honest. Um, it's not just me saying it. It's me who sits at work, looking at tabletop content while I work. You know. Yeah. You know. Shh, don't say it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, my my job's actually really cool. Where you know they're they actually love exploring things like that. But mm-hmm. I digress. It's folks like myself who want to know and have a centralized place because mm-hmm. I'm working. I come home to my beautiful, you know, little girl, and I want to listen to the news. That's not real world stuff like yeah. hobby news, things that I yeah. personally enjoy while I'm cooking dinner because yeah. I can listen, see what's going or hear what's going on, and and do that right. Like it, yeah. you're saving me time from having to explore the internet, mm-hmm. Google search. I don't know how many different times just to get one answer. So again, like what I feel y'all are providing is my time. You're giving Mm -hmm. me my time back by having that centralized news outlet. Well, it's, it's honestly really great to hear that. Not because I, I mean, I appreciate that, that you are, you believe in the project, but it's, it's good to hear somebody not involved with the project, put those thoughts out there because that's exactly what we're thinking. So it's like, we know that we're on the right track because if you're getting it and you're coming to those same conclusions, it's like, oh yeah, like you, you get it. You understand what we're doing. Absolutely. Uh, And, and it means that we're, we're on a path that other people are going to be able to see that too. Uh, And, and you were mentioning our growth. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been really great to see so many supporters hop on and and support the project and express those same thoughts because it's like yeah like that it's it's one thing for us all you know there was a lot of work that went into uh the lead up to the kickstarter i mean this project we've been working on it for we're closing on like 18 months now um and and it was all just us before and we get you there's this fear when you're doing that eventually where you're just like are we do we even really have something? We've analyzed it so deep. Like, is there anything yeah. really here? Like, maybe yeah. this isn't, maybe this is probably just a bad idea. Yeah. But then you put it out there and you see other people supporting it. It's like, oh, wait, no, we, we, oh, it's okay. It's okay. We, we weren't just losing our minds. <laughs> I think that every time I, you know, since I started the Bearded Nerd on Instagram, where I was just trying to help game masters make sense of things and just share my world building knowledge, I've thought about that every day. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. And it's because we're so married to it. We're close yeah. to it where yeah. we, where we see that, oh, okay, like, do they really want this? Do people really mm-hmm. even need to know why you should incorporate automatons? That's what, well, that's something I remember. <laughs> I was really weirded about talking about that subject. And then all of a sudden it blew up and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I guess people want to know that that's, it yeah. reassures me that we're not alone in that thinking, but anyway, yeah, yeah. just for the sake of time, I know um, that obviously y'all have things to do, but more importantly, 
I want folks to really just be able to right now go click the link down below where you're seeing this, or if you're listening to the podcast notes, go ahead and check out the Kickstarter. I really want y'all to support this. Um, and it's really important for us in the community to support this because again, this is something that's going to help you save time. And I've always talked about if you can save time and spend more time learning about your hobby, playing your hobby, or doing something associated in that hobby, it is beneficial. But again, folks, thank you so much for listening, Jim. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it, man. It's 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 great to hear this, and I'm so stoked about this. I, I and I really appreciate your time with this. Oh, hey, you know what? I had a lot of fun talking about gaming, and I really appreciate the outlet to to bring tabletop news to to new years. So I really hope that uh, I hope that that the people enjoyed this and and see the same thing that you do with, with tabletop news, you know, cause uh, I think, I it think can, they it will be a big thing. Yeah. I know that they will. And I can't wait to have you back on to talk about, you know, the success of the Kickstarter and everything Absolutely. else. I'm really <laughs> excited about it. And folks, again, I'm excited that you're listening to us because at the end of the day, you could have chosen somewhere else, some other podcast, but you chose to listen to ours. So Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. As always, folks, make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. We really appreciate it. And leave us a, a review. Leave us a five-star review and let us know how we're doing and what you want to hear more. But most importantly, folks, be kind and compassionate with one another. It's crazy times out there, but a little bit of compassion, a little bit of kindness goes a long way. Anyway, folks, thank you so much. And as always, keep gaming. Mm -hmm.